Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And on your screen right now, you can see an article and story that was linked to me from a number of different people. Thank you so much for sharing this uh, with me that goes over a significant lawsuit that the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, and 48 states of the United States have brought against Facebook. And as we do in virtual legality, we are going to go in detail into the substance of, in particular, the Federal Trade Commission lawsuit. I will tell you, having gone over the state lawsuit, it generally mirrors that Federal Trade Commission lawsuit. We'll take a look at that for a couple of minutes as part of this video. But I also want to say a few things up front. If you've been in virtual legality for a while, you know I covered the big tech companies. I've covered the antitrust findings of the Judiciary Subcommittee uh, in the House of Representatives in the United States. I think that there are a lot of things that you can criticize the alphabets, the Googles, the Facebooks, and the Twitters about in terms of how they operate and what they do. And I think there are probably decent cases to be made about the anti-competitive effects of some of the things and actions that they take. But as a primer, having now read this case that the Federal Trade Commission has brought, I think it is a pretty weak one, and we are going to talk about why. So let's take a look at this case. This is a complaint for injunctive and other equitable relief. And one of the reasons I'm covering this case is that this actually is a very significant request from the Federal Trade Commission and the U.S. government to actually break up Facebook, to have them divest themselves of, in particular, Instagram and WhatsApp, which they bought within the last decade. And that is... Maybe not that unusual for an antitrust action to say, hey, courts, we're going to need some injunctive relief. You're going to need to do some structural changes. We talked about that in respect of the Microsoft case from back in the 90s and early 2000s. But it is significant in the modern digital social media era that 48 states and the Federal Trade Commission have effectively asked the courts, the judiciary, to break up this monolithic giant United States corporation. So first, they are bringing their complaint under Section 13B of the Federal Trade Commission Act to undo and prevent anti-competitive conduct and unfair methods of competition by Facebook. We can go and we can look up these statutes as we like to do. We see one of the statutes says, whenever the FTC has reason to believe that any person, partnership, or corporation is violating a provision of law enforced by the Federal Trade Commission, they can go and they can seek injunction. So that's the generalized rule. That makes a lot of sense. What are they seeking to enjoin? In general, they are seeking to enjoin a company that is doing unfair methods of competition, affecting commerce or unfair or deceptive acts or practices in or affecting commerce. And they have the power under this act, the main Federal Trade Commission Act, Section 45 of Title 15, to go and do these various things and ask the court for the remedies that they have requested. Now, that doesn't actually explain what they're asking for in the opening paragraphs, maybe as you wouldn't expect. But as we dive deep, we will see that the actual unfair method of competition that they want to bring up against Facebook is our old friend, if you've been familiar with watching us discuss the Epic versus Apple lawsuits, Sherman Act Section 2, monopolizing is a felony. Every person who shall monopolize or attempt to monopolize or combine or conspire with any other person or persons to monopolize any part of the trade or commerce among the several United States or with foreign nations shall be deemed guilty of a felony. So at the end of the day, the Federal Trade Commission is going to be accusing Facebook of monopolizing. 
And as we've talked about in the past, and as we will talk about in this video, one of the big confusion points for non-lawyers and for people that just kind of read the articles and look at these things on a very superficial basis, and there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't necessarily have to dive into these things this deeply to understand them. The actual act of being a giant company, of having a monopoly in a market, as Facebook undoubtedly does on social media networking in the United States especially, that in and of itself isn't illegal. If we go to the Department of Justice and we see exactly how they describe this particular concept, as the second element of the Sherman Act, Section 2 makes clear, the possession of monopoly power will not be found unlawful unless it is accompanied by an element of anti-competitive conduct. Such conduct often is described as exclusionary or predatory conduct. This element includes both conduct used to acquire a monopoly unlawfully and conduct used to maintain a monopoly unlawfully. And that's what the Federal Trade Commission will be accusing Facebook of. A wide range of unilateral conduct has been challenged under Section 2. And here is where the rubber hits the road. It is often difficult to determine whether the conduct of a firm with monopoly power is anti-competitive. And we'll take a look at this document again as we go through the lawsuit. But suffice it to say, being a very mean, giant corporation that just tries to snuff out other parties is, in effect, competitive. So the actual question is, does that harm the competitive process in and of itself? And that's one place where the courts can get stuck, where the Federal Trade Commission can get stuck, where the Facebooks of the world can get stuck, just in terms of what is going to be interpreted as what in any given case, which is one of the reasons I highlighted this paragraph. We're going to go into this lawsuit now, but one of the things I want to say is that there isn't a lawyer on earth, not at the Federal Trade Commission, not at Facebook, not that's analyzing these things for you on CNN or Fox or Twitter or wherever you get your legal information, including virtual legality, that can tell you as a guarantee that this particular case that we are about to read is going to go one way or the other. So much of this analysis is based on facts and circumstances of what the actual judge and then probably the court of appeals and maybe even the Supreme Court thinks about what they are being shown in a case like this. So you don't get that kind of guarantee. Or if you're familiar, if you've hired a lawyer before and you've sat in their office and they say, mm, it depends. Unfortunately, that's what you're going to get out of all of this at the end of the day. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to offer my commentary. I think that Fully two-thirds of the claims brought by the Federal Trade Commission are weak. I think that other one-third is probably a stronger claim, and they have a better case to make on it. But you're going to get that commentary, and we can't guarantee one way or the other which way a given court of law will go because this is an amorphous set of laws and set of, really, common law understandings and judicial interpretations. And the one thing I will say is that nobody should discount a lawsuit brought by virtually every state in the union and a major government agency. This is something that's going to be important to Facebook. It's going to continue. It's going to be interesting to follow, and it's very unclear what direction it will go. So now we get into the Federal Trade Commission's description of the nature of the case. Facebook is the world's dominant online social network. I don't think anybody would disagree. Facebook has maintained its monopoly position by buying up companies that present competitive threats and by imposing restrictive policies that unjustifiably hinder actual or potential rivals that Facebook does not or cannot acquire. This is the crux of the Federal Trade Commission and the state's position, is that Facebook bought up two potential competitors in the early 2010s, 
and then also has been restricting access to what APIs it otherwise makes publicly available with rules against people using those APIs to compete with Facebook. That first two thirds, the actual acquisition of these companies are what I think are the weaker claims by the Federal Trade Commission. The restrictions on APIs, they wind up dovetailing with some of the things that we've talked about with respect to Epic and Apple and what control a party that actually makes this software, that makes this interoperability possible should have over others. It does, however, look more like an anti-competitive use of monopoly power than the mere acquisitions. And we're going to talk about why as we discuss this case. Facebook holds monopoly power in the market for personal social networking services. One of the things we talked about in Epic versus Apple is that it's so important to define the proper markets and to establish monopoly power. And it really is. But in the case of Facebook, where we can see exactly what control it has over the personal social networking services market, it's not going to be a big hurdle for the Federal Trade Commission or the states to clear. Facebook is pretty close to an obvious monopoly, in my opinion, of course, in this particular market, and its ability to consolidate power in that market is going to be judged based on that monopoly presence. So they're basically going to be granted the first hurdle that you have to prove that somebody is, in fact, a monopolist before you talk about anti-competitive conduct, I think really without too much trouble. So we're not going to talk about it too much while we look at this case. They describe it as the largest and most profitable social network in the world, known internally at Facebook as Facebook Blue. And the only reason I highlighted that is that the Federal Trade Commission is going to use that terminology throughout this document. I want to make sure you are aware of what they meant by it. Facebook Blue, in this case, is what we generally think of as Facebook. But when they use the term Facebook, that's the entire company, which includes a company that owns Instagram and WhatsApp and a whole bunch of other technology companies. So Facebook Blue, when they talk about it, that's the actual service that you post photos of your cat on or share notes with your grandmother. Last year alone, Facebook generated revenues of more than $70 billion and profits of more than $18.5 billion. A lot of money, definitely monopolist in this market. Not necessarily a lot of money compared to some of the really big stuff that we see, Microsoft's and Google's and things like that, but certainly enough money to get into this conversation. Since toppling early rival MySpace, remember MySpace, and achieving monopoly power, Facebook has turned to playing defense through anti-competitive means. Assumes it's premise, but that's fair. This is a complaint brought by a government agency. After identifying two significant competitive threats to its dominant position, Instagram and WhatsApp, Facebook moved to squelch those threats by buying the companies, reflecting CEO Mark Zuckerberg's view expressed in a 2008 email that it is better to buy than compete. They're going to refer to this particular phrase from a 2008 email a bunch, which is one of the reasons your lawyers will tell you not to write down things like this. Whether or not it's illegal, it looks bad, and the Federal Trade Commission will find that email and it will post it in its lawsuit against you, and that's, that's not great. Facebook has also imposed anti-competitive conditions that restricted access to its valuable platform, conditions that Facebook personnel recognized as anti-user, hypocritical in light of Facebook's purported mission of enabling sharing, and a signal that we're scared that we can't compete on our own merits. Again, you don't want this stuff to be found by the Federal Trade Commission and published in your lawsuit, but it doesn't actually make the thing illegal in and of itself. As Facebook has long recognized, its personal social networking monopoly is protected by high barriers to entry, including strong network effects. That's true. We've seen that writ large in respect of social media, that once you get to a certain critical mass, it's difficult to attack. 
Uh, and so Facebook has really designed its entire operating model around making sure that other parties can't get to that critical mass and attack its entrenched position in social media. Now, whether or not you think that is inherently anti-competitive, the sentence that I just brought up, will probably reflect whether or not you wind up being on the side of the Federal Trade Commission and the states on this question. Whereas I think it's a little bit harder to make that claim when we actually discuss the specifics here. In an effort to preserve its monopoly and the provision of personal social networking, Facebook has for many years continued to engage in a course of anti-competitive conduct with the aim of suppressing, neutralizing, and deterring serious competitive threats to Facebook Blue. This course of conduct has had three main elements. This is the claim by the Federal Trade Commission. Acquiring Instagram, acquiring WhatsApp, and the anti-competitive conditioning of access to its platform to suppress competition. And the reason that I think those first two are pretty weak is that the Federal Trade Commission doesn't actually advocate or push, even in this 57 or so page document, that Facebook is doing something inherently wrong with Instagram or WhatsApp now, five, six, I believe it's eight years after the acquisition of the first one, Instagram. And so you start to get into this open question of, okay, if acquisition in and of itself was anti-competitive, why are we talking about it eight years later? And as we will see, after the Federal Trade Commission itself approved those acquisitions. Instagram acquisition. In 2012, Facebook acquired Instagram, the most significant personal social networking competitor to emerge since Facebook Blue launched. Facebook initially tried to compete with Instagram on the merits by improving its own mobile photo sharing features. Note the phraseology there. You're always allowed to compete, quote unquote, on the merits by putting out a better product, by getting those customers into your door rather than their door. The FTC is trying to frame that as what they should have done versus buying the company. By September 2011, Mr. Zuckerberg saw that Facebook had fallen far behind and writing internally said, in the time it has taken us to get our act together on this, Instagram has become a large and viable competitor to us on mobile photos, which will increasingly be the future of photos. So Facebook fell back on that philosophy that it is better to buy than compete. Again, they're going to bring that up time and time again. And in February 2012, Mr. Zuckerberg acknowledged that if left independent, or I've highlighted this, in the hands of another acquirer like Google or Apple, Instagram threatened to leave Facebook Blue very behind in both functionality and brand on how one of the core use cases of Facebook will evolve in the mobile world. So this is a point of emphasis that I will bring up. And unfortunately... This case and the way that the Federal Trade Commission and the states have framed it have left me in the unenviable position of defending Facebook on certain of these things. So one of the things that has happened here is they're going to put a bunch of emails, they're going to put a bunch of discussion points up. We're not going to go over them all. I will, of course, link this complaint in the description to this video, but they're going to put all these emails together and they're going to have to say at the end that Facebook had absolutely no reason to buy these companies other than to squelch competition, presumably the competition that would be represented by a vibrant and large Instagram or WhatsApp as separate entities. The problem, the fundamental problem they have with that argument is that they keep bringing up and Zuckerberg and Facebook and their internal mergers and acquisitions guy keep bringing up that one of their big concerns is that Instagram or WhatsApp, which when they're talking about it in 2012 and 2014, is doubling and tripling on a monthly or quarterly basis, could be bought by Google or Apple or Twitter. And so Facebook, in a very real way, is competing with those companies 
and looking at potential assets to buy to shore up its position against those companies. And from a philosophical standpoint, if you believe in competition, and you don't have to, you can leave that comment to this video if you are so inclined. If you believe in that competition, as the Sherman Act and the U.S. court system has indicated that they do, Facebook has a very easy argument to make that says, look at all of this stuff they have said that says, yes, we don't want Instagram to come and eat our lunch on photos, but we don't want Google or Twitter or Apple or anyone else to do so otherwise. And so we're going to take the step not to try to predatorily price them out, to restrict them out of markets, but to give the founders and the shareholders of those companies millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so... At the end of the day, the Federal Trade Commission has to make the, the, the claim that Facebook has hurt competition effectively by competing, not with Instagram and WhatsApp, but with Google and Apple and Twitter and the rest of big tech. And that's going to be difficult because Facebook is going to have this justification that says we don't have to lie down dead and allow our competitor to buy up this company. And we can't know exactly what the Federal Trade Commission will do if Google or Apple or Twitter tries to buy them. They certainly approved our purchase, which we will talk about in a second. And so we have to take the steps, our fiduciary duty, as you've heard in virtual legality, the obligation that we have to our shareholders to make sure that we use our assets to not die out here. And when we identify an issue like this one, hey, they're much better at photos than us. What'll it cost to buy them? That is a normal course of dealing in the corporate world. It's a normal course of dealing that's allowed under the law. And you have to show that we didn't have a justified business reason. And you keep bringing up stuff like this. Continuing on, we get another quote from Mr. Zuckerberg. Even if some new competitors spring up, buying Instagram, Path, Foursquare, etc. now will give us a year or more to integrate their dynamics before anyone can get close to their scale again. This isn't actually, uh, oh, this is from Mr. Zuckerberg to his chief financial officer, David Ebersman. And you see again that Zuckerberg is saying, yeah, we want to spend this money. I remember your internal post about how Instagram was our threat and not Google+. Plus. You were basically right. One thing about startups, though, is you can often acquire them. And we've talked about that a lot in this space, right? There are different philosophies of antitrust enforcement. But one of the things that often gets skipped is that startups build themselves up a lot of the time to get acquired, to be attractive to somebody that can really commercialize their product. One of the other areas of issue that the Federal Trade Commission has in this claim with Instagram and WhatsApp in particular is that Facebook bought them for a huge amount of money, yes, but then invested a huge amount of money and made them public to a bigger group of users. And they actually have to show the Federal Trade Commission and the states that those users were harmed by that activity. And that's not really a claim that they wind up making in this lawsuit. They wind up saying things like, well, we think innovation was killed because Instagram doesn't act independently anymore. We think advertisers have to potentially spend more money because there isn't a viable third or fourth company. But at the end of the day, they don't really establish that consumers were harmed. And to the extent that you had more money pouring into Instagram and WhatsApp, the argument could be made in a counter direction. Facebook is undoubtedly going to make this direction that they've invested millions, maybe billions of dollars into making these companies grow. And not only does that help consumers, they'll also argue that it would be unfair to unwind it as of now. Now, why will they say it's unfair? They will say it's unfair because as we've talked about in the past, the Hart-Scott-Rodino Act of, I believe it's 1976, requires basically all big mergers to be reviewed by both the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice. This is from the FTC's own website. 
Among the key provisions in U.S. antitrust law is one designed to prevent anti-competitive mergers or acquisitions. Under HSR, the FTC and the Department of Justice review most of the proposed transactions that affect commerce in the United States and are over a certain size. And either agency can take legal action to block deals that it believes would substantially lessen competition. Although there are some exceptions, for the most part, current law requires companies to report any deal that is valued at more than $94 million, which is going to be virtually everything that Facebook would ever seek to acquire. After the companies report a proposed deal, the agencies will do a preliminary review to determine whether it raises any antitrust concerns that warrant closer examination. And then they have the option of cutting off the review period early, letting the review period expire and the transaction can just go through, asking for an extension, asking for a second look, getting more documentation, doing all these various things. And we can see that in the actual law itself. Once you get into that situation where they actually have to say, well, we've got a problem with Section 18 or we have a problem with Section 45, then they can bring a preliminary injunction under this review process. And in 2012, when Instagram was to be purchased by Facebook, the Federal Trade Commission made no such action. I've got an article here up from Reuters. FTC clears Facebook's acquisition of Instagram. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission cleared Facebook Inc.'s acquisition of Instagram, voting unanimously to close its antitrust investigation into the deal without taking any action. This is from August 22nd of 2012. So you get into these conversations and you have the Federal Trade Commission now bringing a lawsuit, not that Facebook operating Instagram was a violation of the Antitrust Act, but that the mere acquisition itself was a violation eight years after the Federal Trade Commission decided not to take any action when the acquisition itself was put to the Federal Trade Commission for a vote. Now, it's worth noting that when we look at this act, and I won't bore you with all the details here, this is a waiting period. You don't actually have a concept here that the Federal Trade Commission has approved the deal in some important respect. They essentially have just said that they're not going to take action. But these giant corporations, and really these medium-sized corporations, when you start talking about $100 million deals, they do rely on the fact that they've gotten past the HSR approval process and that they can now go forward, they can acquire the company, and more importantly, they can invest their own assets and marketing and research dollars and efforts into building that company that they have now acquired. So Facebook is going to be able to say, Federal Trade Commission, you had your bite at the apple. We had to submit what this looked like to you in 2012. You looked at it and unanimously voted that it wasn't a problem as you saw it right then with the Sherman Antitrust Act, with the Federal Trade Commission rules, with anything else of that scope. And now you seek to change it eight years after the fact. Maybe you could make that complaint if it was about us doing something with Instagram in the intervening eight years. Certainly, if you could point to Facebook right now and say, well, you did this with Instagram, you did that, and that's a violation of Sherman or the Federal Trade Commission rules or what have you, that is a distinction from, remember, what they said was the acquisition itself was a violation of the antitrust laws. And they had their chance to say that eight years ago. And at a fundamental level, and again, I I don't want to be defending Facebook on these points. I think they do a lot of things that are potentially harmful to folks in the actual marketplace. But on this particular score, I think it's wrong to suggest that Facebook should have to unwind a transaction that was effectively approved by the DOJ and Federal Trade Commission and that they've worked with and under for now eight solid years. And that very same argument is going to apply to the WhatsApp acquisition. 
After neutralizing the threat from Instagram, Facebook turned to what it considered the next biggest consumer risk for Facebook Blue. The risk that an app offering mobile messaging services would enter the personal social networking market either by adding personal social networking features or by launching a spin-off personal social networking app. After Facebook announced the acquisition of WhatsApp, employees internally celebrated the acquisition of probably the only company which could have grown into the next Facebook purely on mobile. But just like we talked about, the WhatsApp deal was cleared by the FTC in 2014. Now, here's an interesting kind of sidebar on this. This is a report from Reuters, and this is what they say about it. Facebook Inc. said that U.S. regulators have cleared its $19 billion acquisition of mobile messaging service WhatsApp, even as the Federal Trade Commission warned the two internet companies on Thursday that they must not backtrack on commitments to user privacy. The FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection in a letter to the two companies on Thursday said WhatsApp must adhere to its current privacy practices after the merger, including a promise not to use WhatsApp users' personal data for targeted ads. If the acquisition is completed and WhatsApp fails to honor these promises, both companies could be in violation of Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act and potentially the FTC's order against Facebook. But a Facebook spokeswoman said that the deal had been approved in the United States, though it has not yet been approved in Europe, and we will see that it was approved in Europe shortly thereafter. We are pleased the FTC has completed its review and cleared our acquisition of WhatsApp. Naturally, both companies will continue to comply with all applicable laws after the transaction closes. So the Federal Trade Commission put out these warning letters and could say in this lawsuit that we're reviewing today, hey, Facebook and WhatsApp did something badly that we don't like about data protection and data privacy. The things that Facebook usually gets called to task for, they don't really do that. They only focus on the fact that they bought them, that WhatsApp was a potential quote-unquote competitor that Facebook bought, and they don't reference at all the fact that the Federal Trade Commission reviewed these documents. They looked at them and they didn't block the transaction when they had the full authority and really ambit to do so under the statutory infrastructure of HSR. So those are unfortunately two-thirds of this lawsuit, and we'll bounce in when they do a greater description of these various things as we look at it. But the bigger one-third to me is what they call anti-competitive conditioning. In addition to its strategy of acquiring competitive threats to its personal social networking monopoly, Facebook has, over many years, announced and enforced anti-competitive conditions on access to its valuable platform interconnections, such as the application programming interfaces, APIs, that it makes available to third-party software applications. Facebook has made key APIs available to third-party apps only on the condition that they refrain from providing the same core functions that Facebook offers. This conduct, which is motivated by a desire to weaken and hinder potential competitive threats, which again assumes the premise, but fine, harms competition and helps maintain Facebook's monopoly in personal social networking in at least two ways. First, Announcing the conditions changed the incentives of third-party apps that relied upon their ecosystem. Yeah, you have a chilling effect, right? If you say you can't have these APIs if you do X, Y, or Z, chances are on the margins, a number of companies are going to say, well, we better not do X, Y, or Z because these APIs are important. Second, it also prevents promising apps that maybe we're doing those things from evolving into competitors because they don't have access to that network infrastructure. I think this is the stronger claim that the Federal Trade Commission makes. But like Epic versus Apple, you still have an underlying consideration, which is that Facebook has these APIs. They've created them, yes, to benefit themselves, but clearly they benefit developers and other 
folks that are building these apps out there in the wild because they get access to Facebook's users and that's important to them. And so you already have an exchange of consideration to some respect. And is it or is it not okay for Facebook to restrict access to that benefit on something that, yes, helps them, but restricts conduct, restricts competition from these other platforms, but in a way that is got a business justification, that it makes sense for Facebook to not want to just have the APIs out there. And if the Federal Trade Commission or a court of law were to say, no, you can't make these APIs available on this basis, does Facebook just say, well, we're not making them available at all? And is that a benefit to the consumer? Is that a benefit to the competitive process? And again, a lot of folks, a lot of big technology companies are going to be looking at lawsuits like this. Is this the kind of thing where if Facebook loses this argument, do other tech companies say, okay, we got to be clearer that we can't have our APIs out there in general, or we have to have even more restrictive contracts and more specific relationships in order to get them out there? And does that actually help the internet? Does that help people that are building up the marketplace? I think that's an open question. I don't know the answer to that. So that's one of those things that the court is actually going to be looking at as part of this kind of analysis. The Federal Trade Commission finally finishes this section, Instagram, WhatsApp, and APIs by saying, through the foregoing conduct, through means other than merits competition, Facebook suppresses, deters, hinders, and eliminates personal social networking competition. Facebook also suppresses meaningful competition for the sale of advertising. Facebook continues to hold and operate Instagram and WhatsApp and continues to keep them positioned to provide a protective moat around its personal social networking monopoly. And moat there is an important word. They're trying to establish that what they are doing is wrong. They're trying to give you an image of a castle and these two things that maybe Facebook didn't actually need, but is using to position itself to maintain its monopoly unlawfully. Jurisdiction and venue. Yeah, the Federal Trade Commission can 100% bring this claim. We got a lot of background here. I don't know if you know this, but Facebook's a pretty big company, offers a service that a lot of people use, that a lot of people are familiar with. Social networking in the United States is pretty popular. A lot of paragraphs here, some redactions, which are pretty interesting. Uh, More quotes on Facebook. Description of the anti-competitive conduct now gets us back into what we were just talking about. Facebook navigated a period of transition, particularly with mobile, and has maintained its monopoly power and personal social networking thereafter, not by competing on the merits, but rather through a course of anti-competitive conduct spanning years. This course of conduct includes at least, which is an interesting way to actually make a legal complaint, but fair enough, you're reserving it for the future, the acquisition and continued control of Instagram, the acquisition and continued control of WhatsApp, and the imposition and enforcement of anti-competitive conditions on access to APIs. So it's buying Instagram, it's buying WhatsApp, and apparently not dissolving them immediately, and using their restrictions on APIs. Just what we talked about in the earlier summary. A lot of extra language here talking about what we just talked about. And then we get into some more of those emails. Mr. Zuckerberg's emails in February of 2012. If my analytical framework holds true, then we should expect apps like Instagram to be able to grow quite large. Throughout this period, Mr. Zuckerberg repeatedly explained the case for acquisition in terms of Instagram's threat as a personal social networking competitor. If so, Facebook Snap might be a good first step, but we'd be very behind in both functionality and brand on how one of the core use cases of Facebook will evolve in the mobile world, which is really scary, and why we might want to consider paying a lot of money for this. Later that month, Mr. Zuckerberg wrote in similar terms to Mr. Ebersman, these entrepreneurs don't want to sell, largely inspired by our success, but at a high enough price, like 500 million or a billion dollars, they would have to consider it. Mr. Ebersman cautioned that acquiring a nascent competitor was a poor reason for an acquisition since someone else will immediately spring up in their place. 
But as Mr. Zuckerberg explained, Mr. Ebersman was wrong. It's a combination of, and I noted this particularly, not because it adds a lot of substance here, but because this is a very odd way to frame this in a legal complaint. It's a combination of bracketed, i.e. neutralizing a potential competitor, and three, bracketed, integrating acquired products into Facebook. So you got a number one and number three, which could be a sick, but isn't noted here. And then you actually have brackets around what you need Mr. Zuckerberg to say. You actually need them to say, to bring this complaint, that Facebook is aimed at neutralizing a potential competitor. And you have changed whatever language Zuckerberg has put in this email into bracket neutralizing a potential competitor bracket. And then you do that again. In emphasis, one thing that may make bracket neutralizing a potential competitor bracket more reasonable here is that there are network effects. This is not a good way to write a legal complaint. I look at this and say, what in the world is the actual language there that you felt the need to bracket that? And I never want to disparage anyone. Obviously, my esteemed legal colleagues would never do anything to change the framework of the language that they have in front of them. But I want to see that. This is very much like looking at a newspaper article about another newspaper article about a source material where you've got a bracketed email now that says exactly what they needed to say in brackets that the editor brought to the party. So when you look at this, when you look at what they're actually claiming, there are these potential issues in their claims. And as we see in these emails, the other thing that they pretty much avoid is not just Facebook actually competing with the Googles and the Twitters and the Apples of the world, but the notion that Instagram could be a valuable asset in and of itself. We get quotes like the following. Their growth trajectory is pretty incredible. Mark asked them yesterday during their visit when they will reach 100 million users, and they said their projections are for the end of this year. It's not unusual for corporations to go and look at another entity and say, hey, we have a lot of cash money. They're growing at an exponential rate. Yes, they could be a competitor, but maybe just as importantly, they are a valuable asset that we can use our money to better affect than keeping it in the bank in 2012. That putting this money to effect by purchasing Instagram is something to raise the value of our company, to raise the value for our stockholders. And the Federal Trade Commission and the states actually have to establish that there's no justified business reason for this acquisition. Not only does Facebook have a reason to cut off Google and Apple and make sure that they don't get the asset, they also have a valuable asset in and of itself. Now, the Federal Trade Commission doesn't see it that way. They see it as, in sum, Facebook's acquisition and control of Instagram represents the neutralization of a significant threat to Facebook Blue's personal social networking monopoly and the unlawful maintenance of that monopoly by means other than merit competition. This conduct deprives users of the benefits of competition from an independent Instagram, including among other things. Now, again, this assumes that Instagram is going to remain independent, which very smart big tech people like Mark Zuckerberg thought was not going to happen. They make that purchase not just because Instagram is a potential competitor, but as you saw, because they're worried about it being snatched up by another big technology competitor. So an independent Instagram is a bit of a hypothetical here and one that we unfortunately can't counter. The presence of an additional locus of competitive decision-making, a check on Facebook Blue's treatment of and level of service offered to users, an alternative provider of personal social networking for users untethered from Facebook's control, and a spur for Facebook to compete on the merits in response. So they say, hey, if Instagram were still independent, they'd have a different CEO. They would have a different level of service. They'd have a different provider of social networking, which they don't actually prove 
because Instagram wasn't in the business of social networking, at least not in Facebook blue terms as of 2012. So that you also have to assume is the direction that they would have headed. And a spur for Facebook to compete on the merits in response, which probably looks like a big investment, the same that they spent on buying Instagram into their own resources and trying to kill Instagram in the crib in which it was born when it was only two years old. So you have to ask yourself the question of whether or not this is a good thing for competitors, whether this is a bad thing for competitors, whether it's a good thing for users, a bad thing for users. And the FTC doesn't get there, just says the purchase in and of itself is anti-competitive. And they never really reflect on the fact that they didn't stop it when they had the statutorily required chance. Facebook acquired WhatsApp in similar circumstances. Facebook's leadership soon realized that the explosion of OTT mobile messaging services presented a significant competitive threat to Facebook Blue's personal social networking monopoly. This is the biggest threat to our product that I've ever seen in my five years here at Facebook. It's bigger than Google+, and we're all terrified. I actually think that messaging is the single most important app on anyone's phone. It may not be the biggest business, but it is almost certainly by far the most used app. And therefore, it is a critical strategic point for us. Strategic. That's interesting, right? Continuing on, more and more quotes, more emails. Facebook feared not only what WhatsApp would do independently, it also feared what WhatsApp would do in the hands of another purchaser. As Facebook's vice president of growth wrote in October 2012, the biggest problem would be if it lands in the wrong hands. Facebook particularly feared an acquisition of WhatsApp by Google. As a manager of engineering and co-founder of a messaging app that Facebook acquired in 2011 warned colleagues in October 2012, the case for Google acquiring WhatsApp has only gotten stronger in the past six months. If WhatsApp is acquirable at all, the risks of us not being the acquirer have grown. Said another way, Facebook is operating in October of 2012 on the notion that they are fighting over an asset that is going to be bought by somebody. That isn't anti-competitive. That isn't just trying to squelch competition. That is, in fact, trying to compete and fight with the Googles of the world by making sure that they write the biggest check. It's a very difficult case for the Federal Trade Commission to make. I really don't think they'd make it in this suit. For the second time in two years, Facebook employees celebrated the neutralization of an existential competitive threat. A big concern expressed is that we are going to spend 5 to 10% of our market cap every couple years to shore up our position, but I like David's answer that we think this is a point in time where change is coming to the mobile landscape. I hate the word land grab, but I think that is the best convincing argument, and we should own that. And the Federal Trade Commission is bringing that up to suggest that Facebook is acting untowardly in some respect. But again, a land grab notion is the fact that WhatsApp and Instagram are going to be bought by somebody, so it better be us. And once you have that thought process... That's a justified competitive business thought to have. The Federal Trade Commission doesn't deal with it. In fact, they have paragraph after paragraph that establishes that, in fact, Facebook was operating on the notion that its major big tech competitors could buy up these companies. Once you cross that threshold, then you've got a real problem proving that all they're out to do is to restrict competition because they are, in fact, competing to not die out in the marketplace. Another firm, Bernstein Research, noted as of detail, as an independent company or as part of another business such as Google, Twitter, or eBay, WhatsApp's graph could be extended and used to create a feasible competitor to Facebook. So yeah, Facebook was trying to make sure that its other competitors weren't getting this asset, but that in and of itself isn't anti-competitive activity. Then we get into the APIs. Facebook launched Facebook Platform in 2007 with the goal of becoming the infrastructure for social interactions on the internet. Since its launch, Facebook platform has undergone a variety of adjustments and added functionality, such as APIs that allowed third-party access to Facebook user data. Also in 2010, Facebook added the Open Graph API to Facebook platform, which enabled third-party apps and websites to add plugins, such as the Facebook Like button, to their own services. 
Because we have this critical mass of people, said Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg, that attracts new people to sign up. It attracts developers who want to find customers for their apps and websites, and it attracts advertisers who want to reach the audience. The Facebook APIs are a valuable asset that Facebook has created and is using, yes, to get more data and to make itself bigger and more Leviathan-esque on the internet. And you could maybe bring that claim if you wanted to, but instead what the Federal Trade Commission brings is that by restricting access to it at all, that's where the anti-competitive behavior came in. With the success of Facebook's platform, Facebook became important infrastructure for third-party apps and obtained immense power over apps' developmental trajectories, competitive decision-making, and investment strategies. Specifically, between 2011 and 2018, Facebook made Facebook platform, including certain commercially significant APIs, available to developers only on the condition that their apps neither competed with Facebook, including at relevant times by replicating core functionality of Facebook Blue or Facebook Messenger, nor promoted competitors. Facebook punished apps that violated these conditions by cutting off their use of commercially significant APIs. But as we talked about with respect to Epic versus Apple, you don't actually have an obligation to help your competitors. So one of the things that's going to come up in this case and the court is going to have to grapple with is what obligation does extend when you've got essentially a public accommodation API type thing out there and then you try to add restrictions to it. Are any restrictions okay? Are only restrictions that look exactly like this that say, oh, you can't have another functionality as us. Are those not okay? Is there some gray area? This is going to be one of those areas that I think is going to be more interesting than the WhatsApp and Instagram stuff where I think the Federal Trade Commission is going to have some real problems. On July 27th, 2011, Facebook introduced a new policy that apps on Facebook may not integrate, link to, promote, distribute, or redirect to any app on any other competing social platform. On January 25th, 2013, Facebook added a new condition to prevent developers from replicating core functionality. You may not use Facebook platform to promote or to export user data to a product or service that replicates a core Facebook product or service without our permission. Facebook's head of developer products responded, noting that Facebook already targeted competitors for access restrictions. Yeah, it's not great, but this already happens to some degree. For example, Path isn't allowed to use certain things. The absolute numbers in terms of who is considered a competitor are pretty small. Another Facebook engineer agreed. More than complicated, they said, it's sort of unethical. While an engineering manager noted, well, I agree it is bad. The head of developer products replied, so I agree this sucks, but you are reading this too absolutely. Realistically, only the top five messaging apps will ever raise an eyebrow. But the software developer was unsatisfied. That feels unethical somehow, but I'm having difficulty explaining how. It just feels, it just makes me feel like a bad person. The head of developer products replied, this is kind of a political safety net internally that allows platform to escape hatch situations that the rest of the company just isn't happy about. And this paragraph is included by the Federal Trade Commission. I think it's a very interesting one, as you can tell, because I highlighted the entirety of it, where you see this kind of internal tumult, where the engineers, the folks that are actually building this thing, and certainly software coding is one of those areas where a lot of people feel very strongly about sharing and openness and improving the overall experience for everybody. Having these restrictions applied and saying, hey, it makes me feel unethical. Federal Trade Commission includes it here to give you that feeling as well as you read the document. It doesn't actually raise a a legal point separately from what they're already trying to bring, that the restrictions themselves are anti-competitive. I find it interesting because you do have this internally at Facebook, but not as interesting as the fact that the Federal Trade Commission brings it up without actually tying it to any legal complaint specifically. We get to paragraph 149. Facebook's suspension of the explicit anti-competitive conditioning policy in December 2018, which it did on December 4th, 
was driven by anticipated public scrutiny from the release of the documents and did not represent a disavowal by Facebook. Having suspended these policies, it is likely to reinstitute, reinstitute them if such scrutiny passes. Their complaint here is that Facebook has gotten rid of the core functionality restriction, but they don't want the court to just kick it for standing or not a reasonable complaint. They want to say Facebook could still add that back in. And Facebook didn't remove it of its own volition, that a member of the UK parliament was about to publish a cache of documents. And so court, you still have to stop Facebook, even though the current restriction isn't in the documents themselves. Continuing on, we get the basic thesis that they already articulated up above. First, Facebook targeted promising apps that provided personal social networking. The second group of targets were promising apps with social functionality. The third group of targets were promising apps that offered mobile messaging services, and they used all of these restrictions to keep them down. And look, like I've said before, I think that's probably the strongest case that they have to make. Facebook does have some defenses. One of the things that really comes up here and this is at the end of all of the sections, I've just kind of skipped it above, is that the Federal Trade Commission has to really complain about the fact that Facebook doesn't have any pro-competitive justifications for doing these things. And so what you will see in the counter notice from Facebook, in the other document that Facebook will provide, is that they will argue that they have pro-competitive reasons to do these kinds of things. The least of which is, hey, we don't actually want to allow our APIs to help build competitors, nor do we have to under the law. So what are you talking about, Federal Trade Commission? And that will be an interesting point of inflection in the court case to come. Through the conduct described above, Facebook has hindered, suppressed, and deterred the emergence and growth of rival personal social networking providers. The benefits to users of additional competition here are additional innovation, quality improvements, consumer choice, etc. The benefits to advertisers are additional users, lower advertising prices, additional innovation. They have to try to complain. They have to try to make the case that there is competition that has been lost as part of this process and that users were harmed, that advertisers were harmed, that Facebook cannot establish justifications for any of this activity, and thus it's a violation of the law. At least since 2011, Facebook has had monopoly power in the United States with respect to personal social networking. I really don't think they will fight about that. There is no pro-competitive justification for Facebook's exclusionary conduct in maintaining its personal social networking monopoly. And as we discussed, Facebook's anti-competitive acts violate Section 2 of the Sherman Act and thus violate Section 5A of the Federal Trade Commission Act, which is actually what we have control over, which brings us back to kind of the Department of Justice talking about the Sherman Antitrust Act. And I wanted to bring up a little bit of the difficulty here, like we did earlier in the video. It's not about protecting competitors. And, and one of the things that the Federal Trade Commission really struggles with in this lawsuit is the notion that an independent WhatsApp and an independent Instagram is in and of itself a unilateral good, which winds up framing their lawsuit as really looking like it's in favor of competitors rather than the competition process itself. While it may be tempting to try to protect competitors, says the Department of Justice in this uh, document, such a policy would be antithetical to the free market competitive process in which we depend for prosperity and growth. Likewise, although monopoly has long been recognized as having the harmful effects of higher prices, curtailed output, lowered quality, and reduced innovation, it can also be the outcome of the very competitive striving we prize. An efficient firm may capture unsatisfied customers from an inefficient rival. And this is precisely the sort of competition that promotes the consumer interest that the Sherman Act aims to foster. Indeed, as courts and enforcers have in recent years come to better appreciate, the prospect of monopoly profits may well be what attracts business acumen in the first place. It induces risk-taking that produces innovation and economic growth. Competition is ill-served by insisting that firms pull their competitive punches, 
so as to avoid the degree of marketplace success that gives them monopoly power or by demanding that winning firms, once they achieve such power, lie down and play dead. Section two thus aims neither to eradicate monopoly itself nor to prevent firms from exercising the monopoly power their legitimate success has generated, but rather to protect the process of competition that spurs firms to succeed. The law encourages all firms, monopolists and challengers alike, to continue striving. It does this by preventing firms from achieving monopoly or taking steps to entrench their existing monopoly power through means incompatible with the competitive process. The difficulty is that competitive and exclusionary conduct can look alike. Indeed, the same conduct can have both beneficial and exclusionary effects, making it hard to distinguish conduct that should be deemed unlawful from conduct that should not. And I will, of course, link this whole document in the description of this video, but you get a lot of this kind of hemming and hawing. The problem is not simply one that demands drawing fine lines, separating different categories of conduct. Often the same conduct can both generate efficiencies and exclude competitors. When a competitor achieves or maintains monopoly power through conduct that serves no purpose other than to exclude competition, such conduct is clearly improper. But if you've got some justification, if there's some benefit that you can bring and that you can claim, then, well, we're going to have more problems actually talking about it. And again, of course, I will link this as a description of a document that's put forth on the Department of Justice website for you to check out, which leads us to what they actually ask for. We say, court, please allow us to prove the following. Facebook's course of conduct violates section two of the Sherman Antitrust Act and thus constitutes an unfair method of competition under the Federal Trade Commission Act. And we would ask for the divestiture of assets divestiture or reconstruction of businesses, including, but not limited to, hey, if you want to do more, go for it, court, Instagram and or WhatsApp. Any other equitable relief you might think is necessary, a prior notice and prior approval obligation for future mergers and acquisitions, to which I say, what exactly do you think you're doing with Hart Scott Rodino, Federal Trade Commission, that Facebook is permanently enjoined from imposing anti-competitive conditions or access to APIs and data, and that Facebook is permanently enjoined from engaging in similar or related conduct in the future. That one is way too broad, right? Are you, are you trying to tell the court to say that Facebook isn't allowed to acquire anybody under any reason uh, at any time in the future? And this is normal. When you pray for relief, you're asking for these various things for the court to bring. You're not going to bring everything that you ask for. But it's very, very broad. And most specifically, asking for a breakup of Facebook is a big, big deal. Now, as I said, I would talk about the state case a little bit Basically, the state case is the same. If you go and you look at this document, and we won't go over it uh, because we're already coming up on an hour here talking about this one case, you see that they have to go into a different direction. They bring up Section 16 of the Clayton Act, Section 2 of the Sherman Act, and Section 7 of the Clayton Act, which is basically talking about being able to uh, file against the acquisition of stock if it's going to lower competition. No person engaged in commerce shall buy the stock of another if the effect of such acquisition may be to substantially lessen competition. And the states can bring that claim. They have a similar issue with Hart Scott Rudino that the Federal Trade Commission didn't act on it before. But at the end of the day, what they're going to have to claim is the same thing that the Federal Trade Commission is going to have to claim, that these purchases of Instagram and WhatsApp are bad, that the use of the restrictions on the API are bad. Two of Facebook's largest acquisitions posed a unique and dire threat to Facebook's monopoly. Facebook kept both services running after the acquisitions to fill the void. And when Facebook opted not to purchase a firm representing a competitive threat, Facebook cut off access to key components. And so you get down and we go 
what, 70 some odd pages down here. And the main difference that we see with respect to the state case is what they are asking for. They want that judgment that it's a violation of the Antitrust Act. They want them to be enjoined from doing anything anti-competitive. They also want a big one. They want Facebook restrained from making further acquisitions at more than $10 million, which is effectively a $1 bill for you or I, without advanced notification to the plaintiff states, to each individual state in the country. And that's a heck of an ask. And it's not one that I think the court is likely to grant, especially since the acquisitions themselves are the weaker part of this case, but it's a heck of an ask by these states. They also asked to get Hart Scott Rodino documents that Facebook be enjoined and restrained from making further acquisitions without disclosures to the states as would be required to the federal government under the HSR Act for transactions falling within its scope and to find that all of these acquisitions are a violation and whatever other equitable relief the court deems appropriate. And then there's signatures for days and days and days. But these are effectively the same case brought under slightly different context because it's the states versus the Federal Trade Commission. But ultimately, they're about WhatsApp, they're about Instagram, and they're about restrictions on APIs. So hopefully this has been a useful walkthrough of what these cases represent, why I think they are important. Certainly the Federal Trade Commission in 48 states bringing a claim against Facebook is a massive, massive thing and certainly worth talking about in virtual legality, but also why I think it's unlikely that you're going to look at a breakup of Facebook, but not impossible. And it's also unlikely that you're going to see much more restrictions on the way Facebook is set to operate. That's been virtual legality for today. I hope you enjoyed this video. I hope you found it informative. Please like, share, subscribe, ring bells, tell folks that we are talking about the business and law of technology, pop culture, video games, software, movies, television, and everything else in this space. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.